Okay, friends, the story begins. Welcome. Thank you all for joining us tonight. <laughs> we are going to be starting the morning blessings. Birchas HaShachar. It's in the Siddur, page six. And there's a, uh, a long series, not that long, but a series of blessings, a little bit over a dozen blessings, where we praise God. We thank God for various uh, things. Thank God for our sight. Thank God for our um, clothing. Thank God for our strength. There's like the, the, these different random traits that we're thanking God for. There was a tradition to recite these blessings as they became relevant. So when we uh, said to God who directs the footsteps of man, right? And on the bottom of page six, for example, which we didn't get to there yet. As soon as you would take a step off of your bed onto the ground, you would recite that blessing. Um, who clothes the naked, the middle of page six. As soon as you got dressed, you'd recite that blessing. These days, the tradition is to recite these blessings as they appear in the sitter, not in the order that you experience them. And the tradition is to recite them whether or not they seem personally relevant to you. Uh, the reason is because they might not be relevant to you, but it's still a praise to God for something that he does. Take a look at the first blessing. Our goal today is to go through the first two blessings, and we'll finish the rest in the coming weeks. So page six, the first blessing, we'll read it in the English. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who gives the rooster understanding to distinguish between day and night. So what does this mean? Why are we reciting this blessing? So, so first of all, translations are, are quite limiting. We can't fully rely on a translation. When, when you read a translation in the English, you're getting a very specific angle of what's going on. Whereas were you to have read the Hebrew, that one Hebrew word could have multiple translations, but the English translators forced to choose only one. It says here, who gives the rooster understanding to distinguish between day and night. Look at the Hebrew word for rooster. La sechvi. Sechvi is a rooster. Sechvi has another meaning. Sechvi has two meanings. It's a, uh, what's it called when a word has two meanings? It's a... Um, oh, uh, common? Yes, something like that. I think it's hominin. Okay, I forgot. Yeah. Sechvi means a rooster. It also means the heart. Um, not that they're overtly connected, but it has those two meanings. So another way to read it is not that God gives the rooster the understanding, the distinguishment day and night. God gives the heart the understanding to distinguish between day and night. And both, both uh, translations are correct. Essentially, we can be thanking God for both of those. The basic understanding of the blessing is we have the ability to have a order to our day. You remember when COVID first hit? <laughs> And every, like the when the when the, the very first lockdown, like in March 2020, was it 2020 or 2019? Yeah, 2020. 20. Nobody had an order to their day. There was no day. There was no night. There was no other than Jews who had to stick to davening times. <laughs> but 
but there was no going to show. There was no, this is when I have to be at work. This is when work starts. This is when work ends. Everything is virtual. You go to sleep at two, you wake up whenever you go. It, it was just like this big, across your, your living room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like this big mumbo jumbo. We're thanking God that there's a beginning to our day. There's an end of our day. There's a day and there's a night. There's an order to our existence. And thank God we have a rooster that helps us differentiate between the day and night. We have a heart that is sensitive to the difference between day and night. You, you know, when it, you know, it feels like it's morning, it feels like it's night. You could tell the difference. We have a, our uh, internal clocks that work and we thank God for this. One of the things that this blessing reminds us is to be vigilant with our time. The day, the night, these are uh, important. There's a teaching from Reb Chaim Velazhin. Reb Chaim Velazhin was one of the great uh, Litvish leaders about two centuries ago. Same generation as the, the author of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe. And he used to say that there was, a, he was very into Jewish ethics, into Musar. And he said there was a very important Musar book, ethical book, a book of Jewish ethics. He says, but it's not on the shelf. It's on the wall. This is the most important book. It's going to teach you all the ethics you know. It, but it doesn't go on the shelf. It goes on the wall, and it's the clock. The clock, uh, managing our time, is such the, the ability to manage time. The ability to, to have that... Um, sensitivity our beginning our day begins our day ends and we can use every single moment this is a gift from god time is a gift from god the fact that there's day the fact that there's night the, this is important this is why we say the blessing historically where does this blessing fit in historically so the there was various services that took place in the base of mikdash various services that took place in the temple the first service that took place in the morning was called the Trumas Hadeshen, the removal of the ashes from the altar, from the Mizbeach. And the way it used to work was, so you had dozens and dozens of Kohens, of Kohanim, that were on shift on the base of Mikdash, right, for that entire week. And removing the ashes in the morning from the base of Mikdash was considered, on the altar, was considered to be a very big honor. So the Kohanim used to race. Whoever wakes up first, and they used to race. Although the Talmud tells us that one time a Kohen hurt himself, injured himself from racing. He fell off the Mizbech. The Mizbech was, was very high. So they changed the system, and they started doing a raffle. Um, but the, the point is, when is the earliest time you can remove the ashes from the altar? In general, services were, were, didn't take place in the night. The earliest time was dawn, when the rooster crowed. So they would hear the rooster crow. They were so excited. They were so thankful for the opportunity to do this mitzvah, of the removal of the ashes. They would recite this blessing. Thank you, God, who gives the rooster to distinguish the dip between day and night and, and, and basically essentially thanking God for this mitzvah opportunity. That's the history behind this mitzvah, behind this blessing. And it's very relevant to us because we're starting our days. We wake up in the morning and we're 
not working in the physical Beit HaMikdash in Jerusalem, but we're trying to create our own home for God, our own Beit HaMikdash. And we're about to serve God. And we're thankful to God in the morning. Thank you, God, for giving the rooster or our heart, giving us the ability in one form or another to distinguish between day and night. Make sense? Yeah. I I read somewhere, I think, in the in the book that we use for Slihos, that if you um because we 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 uh I guess some well during that week of doing Slihos, we get up very right, early. You get up earlier. And I think it says in the introduction, it says for this particular blessing, uh, unless you heard a uh a rooster if you um if you're doing these blessings before dawn you don't say this one and you wait right. till after dawn to say it right correct correct hmm. um in certain regions of the world <laughs> you know dawn is relatively early here i don't know what what time you wake up at but dawn is relatively thank god is relatively early here early enough for for normal relatively normal waking hours in certain parts of the world in certain times of the year, it, it's going to be a legitimate concern for the average person where dawn might be very late and there's not that many roosters roaming around. Well, I, um, when I was commuting before uh, COVID, right. Um, I not very often I would do this, but sometimes I, I was trying to go to the um, minion at the, uh, one of the San right you mentioned you got to beat the yeah. traffic and wake up yeah so i would wake up before dawn i would say all these blessings except this one and also the one for um uh Likol zarki he also said not to say that one when we don't say on yom kippur and um so when i got to the um bart platform Usually dawn happened by then. So on the BART platform, I would I would then say these two. Is that the right, right. way to do that? To- yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, this blessing, though, has a whole new, di- a whole inner dimension to it. Um, there's multiple layers to everything in Torah. There's a body and soul to everything in Torah, right? We just celebrated Yutes Kislev. The day we celebrate the, the um, revelation of the inner dimension of Torah. And this inner dimension of Torah, the Hasidic teachings of Torah, reveal a whole new dimension of what this blessing represents. Let's say, let's go with the explanation that the word sechvi means our heart. Right? We're thanking God who gives the heart, the understanding to distinguish between day and night. Why is that something that requires understanding? There's a certain intuitive sensitivity. I wake up in the morning and I usually know that it's, you know, my internal clock is our, our internal clocks. You know, some people have it better than others, but they work to some degree. <laughs> it, it doesn't take a, a, uh, a rocket scientist to figure out if it's day or night. There's an intuitive sensitivity to day and night. Why does it say who gives us our, who gives the heart, the understanding you have to actually understand this as if it's that difficult. So the commentaries explain that day and night is euphemistic, is a euphemism for good and bad. 
good and bad, understanding that there's good and bad, that there's a difference between the two, doesn't actually come naturally. The heart has to actually understand that. We have to actually internalize that. The day represents divine revelation, experiencing God. Not just believing in God, but but I, I knowing God, I understand him. I understand that God is the true reality of our existence. The night is when I'm lacking in my uh, confidence, my comfortability with God's presence. Is God really present? I don't know. I believe it, but do I get it? I don't know. How are we going to face this day? What is our world? Is our world a, a, a world of day, of morning? Is it a world of evening? Is it a world of light? Is it a world of dark? Is it a world that is um, sacred? Or is the world a world of klipa? Klipa is that um, unholy shell, if you will. The reason why it's that negative energy uh, that hides God. We call it a klipa because a shell, because you look, Remember, we gave the orange example. If I were to hold an orange and say, what do you see? You would say, I see an orange, but it's not true. You see the peel. You see the outer layer of the orange. You're so used to seeing the outer layer. The, uh, tongue twister. You're so used to seeing the outer layer of the orange that you call the outer layer, the, uh, our, bleh, you call the outer layer, the orange itself, even though the orange is what's inside. We only see the outer layer of existence. By default, we, we follow our eyes. We believe what our eyes uh, tell us. That's what we kind of take for granted, what our eyes uh, tell, tell us. And to, to realize that there's a deeper reality than what our eyes see. There's more to people than what our eyes are going to tell us. There's more to the world than what our eyes are going to tell us. You can't scientifically prove there's a God, right? You're, the naked eye can't see that. No matter what type of microscope you have, you might be able to deduce that fact from what you see, and you'll know that there's something that you can't know. And that, But that's called understanding. And God gives us this understanding, the heart, the understanding, that we can distinguish between day and night, between good and bad, between sacred and mundane. We mentioned last week on the bottom of page five, the blessing of Elokai Neshama. We said, my God, the soul which you have given within me is pure. And we said, what does it mean that the soul is pure? The soul um, takes God's reality for granted. And the fact that there's a reality like ours is that seems independent of God. That's a nuance. How could there be such a thing? <laughs> really? <laughs> There's a world out there that's, that can be antithetical to God, that can hide God. I just heard a great line. The world is not antithetical to God. Worldliness is antithetical to God. But um, the, the, the soul is so pure that that, that reality, is just, it's shocked by that reality. For us regular folk, the body's perspective, 
No, of course, that we're born into that reality. Of course, there could be people and realities and perspectives that are antithetical to God. And the fact that there's a God, that's a nuance, really. There's a God. You believe in that? The soul is pure. We're trying to get ourselves, our heart, to understand what the soul takes for granted. That there's a difference between day and night. There is an objective good and an objective bad. There is a right and there's a wrong, not just a comfortable and an uncomfortable. There is divine revelation and there is that ability for that divine revelation, unfortunately, to be concealed. That's at night. I, I think it's so important that when we recite this blessing, um, you know, the mornings, mornings are busy. And when we recite blessings, they go quick. <laughs> There's not a lot of time to think about it, but once in a while, whether it be Shabbos or if there's another time where we're feeling we have a moment to, to meditate on this, think about this. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who gives our heart the understanding, the ability to distinguish between day and night. I look at my world and I'm going to decide. Is this day, is this sacred, is this divine revelation, or is this night, is this hiding God's divine revelation? What is my day going to be like? There's a, we have in Parshas Re'eh, the Torah portion of Re'eh, which is toward the uh, end of this, some, toward the end of the summer, right? The Torah says, God says to the Jewish people, see that I am placing before you blessings and curses. Right? And the blessings are if you, to, you were you to listen to God, the curses are if you don't listen to God. Rabbi Nachman of Breslev asks a question. It doesn't proceed to tell us what those blessings or curses are or why. So he says there must be a deeper meaning here. The word I am placing before you, blessings and curses, before you, lifnechem. Again, translations are limited. Before you, lifnechem, could also mean to your face. I'm allowing you to face life as a blessing or as a curse. You could choose how you're going to see it. We could choose our perspective. Am I going to see it as day, as uh, um, am I going to see the divinity in it or am I going to see it as at night? Am I going to just see it as clip up? Just take it for face value as if it were dark in here. How am I going to approach life? And this all starts with our ability to align our understanding with our soul. God gives us this understanding, gives the heart the understanding, aligning our hearts with this. Make sense? Let's take a look at the next blessing. The next blessing, and we'll see soon the connection between the two. Blessed are you, Lord. It's page six. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who opens the eyes of the blind. So on a very literal level, when I was sleeping at night, I couldn't see anything. Now I could. Thank you, God. Right? It's as simple as that. There's a story with, a chassidish uh, rebbe, his name was Rav Pinchas Menachem of Gur. He was one of the Gerer Rebbes. 
Ger as a Hasidic dynasty. I think in Poland. And he had this condition that he, he woke up and he had this condition where he couldn't see right away. It took him a few minutes for his eyesight to kind of kick in. First, it was blurry and his eyesight would gradually get better after a couple of minutes. And he asked, to, I guess, his assistant to book a doctor's appointment. And then he said, you know what? I kind of like this. Because when I do get my eyesight back after a couple of minutes, after waking up every day, I appreciate it much more. Um, God should never test us. God should never put us in a situation where we need to appreciate the goodness he gives us. We should, But this blessing sets us up to remind ourselves to appreciate something as simple as the ability to see. But there's a deeper explanation. Look at the context of this blessing. This blessing takes place right after the, pri- the previous one. First, we say God gives us the understanding to distinguish between day and night. Now we're saying God opens up our eyes. It's not enough just to understand that God is relevant to our existence. We have to see it. We have to see it. The soul sees it. Your soul doesn't believe in God. We believe in God. The body believes in God. The soul sees it. What's the difference between seeing and believing? I guess seeing is believing, right? But they're different. They really are different. What's the difference between seeing and believing? If I believe something, you can, you know, cynicism can, can, can dull my faith. Cynicism can theoretically, unless I'm really, it depends why I'm believing, right? But theoretically, cynicism can uh, reduce my faith. You hang out with cynical people and it's, but what if you don't just believe, you see it? Right? What if you you actually see it? Nobody could talk you out of it. One of the reasons why us Jews can't run away from Judaism, no matter how hard we try, it always catches up with us. At some point, sooner or later is because our soul sees it. We believe it, so our faith goes, you know, faith can fluctuate, but our soul sees it. Our soul has that clarity. It's pure, as we said earlier. And we're saying to to God, we started off understanding what the soul sees. And the hope is, through the process of prayer, that we'll get to see it. Seeing it means you, your faith is so firm it's as if you were to see it so when the jews received the torah at mount sinai the talmud says that they um they saw the sorry the torah says they saw god God spoke right at sinai he revealed himself to the jewish people and the torah says that the jewish people saw the sounds so God spoke and we saw the sounds. What does that mean? There's a variety of commentaries on, on, on how to explain that philosophically or practically. It, it was one of the miracles that took place at Sinai. But one way to explain it is that which is normally heard 
was seen. What's the difference between hearing and seeing? When you hear, there is room for interpretation. And again, cynicism can if it can, you know, cynicism can can ruin it. If I told, but but if I saw it myself, imagine you know the difference between hearing about what took place at Mount Sinai or being there. You heard about it. Somebody could tell you, uh, yeah, but there's room for interpretation. There's room for cynicism. But if what you heard is so clear to you that it were to be as if you saw it, nobody could talk you out of it. That's what faith is. It's conviction. It's the conviction that it's this, It's where my faith leads me to such conviction. It's as if I were to see it. Is there a God? Is there a truth? Is there a purpose to my existence? Is there a Torah? Is there a, does God need my mitzvahs? I start off with understanding it, but I ultimately end up seeing it. Nobody could talk me out of it. Yeah, there's cynics and there's, but, but that doesn't matter. And perhaps within my own self, there's a cynical part of me. It doesn't matter. Put it this way. We start off in the morning with Moda'ani. That's pure faith. Moda'ani, I thank God or I concede to God. I concede to this deeper reality. I concede that he's in charge. Then we recite this blessing. God gives us the understanding. Eventually, we don't just concede, we understand. And eventually, we go to Pokea Chivrim. God opens the eyes of the blind. We actually see it. I'll tell you a great story. It's timely for Yitzhak's life. There was a Hasidic Jew. And by the way, when I say Hasidic Jew, when we talk about Hasidus, we're not talking about the just the culture of Hasidus. Oh, he's Hasidic. He had a long beard and a long coat. He must be. We're talking about the uh, Hasidus as an approach to a relationship with God where we focus not only on the rituals, but those rituals of Judaism are infused with life, with passion, with love. And that's what the Tanya does. And that's what many other works do. And when Hasidus first budded into the world several centuries ago with the Baal Shem Tov and with Chabad, with Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi, who authored the Tanya, it was quite controversial in the Jewish world because this is... They said, you're introducing something new to Judaism and, and new things are scary. The argument is, and this is the reality, is it really isn't anything new. It's just refocusing on things that haven't been focused on for a long time, but it's not a new invention within Judaism. It's just a refocus within Judaism, focusing on the soul. But that always was a part of Judaism. It was just more intuitive. As exile progressed, we need to actually learn about these things. It's not intuitive anymore. So this Hasidic Shayid, who was neshama-oriented, soul-oriented, was passing through town, and he had to stay in this town, and it was a town of misnagdim. There was a group of Jews who were misnagdim, who were opponents to the Hasidic movement because of their fears. Real misnagdim don't really exist anymore. But they suspected that this guy might be a Hasid. He had to lodge there for the evening, but they were uncomfortable. He's going to infiltrate us, and who, you know, who knows what's going to happen. 
maybe we'll become chassid. <laughs> they were uncomfortable. So they started asking him questions. Are you chassid? Are you not? They didn't believe him at first. So they said, what's the difference between a chassid and a misnagid? Between somebody who internalized the Hasidic teachings and one who opposes it. So he said, brilliant answer, he said, a chassid doesn't think about God. A misnagid, an opponent to chassidus does think about God. Oh, he must not be a chassid. Okay, you could stay with us. He comes back to his hometown and he tells everybody the event that occurred. He said, I had this brilliant answer. They let me stay with him. They said, you crazy? You misrepresented Hasidus. You misrepresented the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. You misrepresented this whole movement where we're trying to bring inspiration and purpose and meaning to our Judaism. He said, I didn't misrepresent anything. I believe that wholeheartedly. And they said, what do you mean? So he said, somebody who learns Hasidus doesn't need to think about God. It's it's obvious. You don't need to think about it. You see it. It's clear. Somebody who opposes Hasidus and hasn't yet learned Hasidus, they have to think about God. They have to question their faith. Does God really exist? Does, not, does God not really exist? And, and this is what these blessings are trying to get us to. The first blessing God gives the rooster or our heart, the understanding to distinguish between day and night, day meaning divine revelation, night meaning divine concealment. And then God opens the eyes of the blind. We start off in the morning, the wrong side of the bed, and we don't necessarily see it. But after understanding, after conceding to it through Moda'ani, after believing it, and after understanding it, which is what this blessing, the first blessing is reminding us to do, we can finally open our eyes and just see the truth, just see the reality. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.